Welcome back to the Dying Desk Podcast, The Road to Tokyo. Tokyo is adding five new sports to the Olympic lineup, and no surprise, several of them follow the trend of adding more action sports to the lineup. Why? Why do they do this? Well, honestly, they do it to try to get younger eyeballs interested in the Olympics. So that's why this time around you're seeing sports like skateboarding and surfing. Skateboarding, which is what we're going to talk about today, will feature two different events. You've got park and you've got street. Now, park competitions take place in what they call a bowl, and it is... It's flow while you're doing tricks. Street, and this is what I love. Street is the stuff you see in a Mountain Dew commercial. So this is where you see the athletes going through a course. They've got stairs and rails and other features that replicate real world obstacles. So this is like you're going through the shopping center and somebody comes through on a skateboard. (laughs) That is street. So the judges score both of those disciplines and that's how they come up with who gets on the podium. Now, Mario McCoy is close to making the team that will represent Team USA in street. He grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania. His brother gave him a skateboard when he was four years old. So this goes back a long while. He's 25 now. And now he's a pro skateboarder who just a couple of years ago, Olympics, not even on the radar. Now, very much so on the radar. So on this time to ask, we'll ask him what it's like to be a pro skateboarder. Spoiler alert, it's pretty darn awesome. Why skateboarding becoming an Olympic sport kind of took a while to gain traction even within the skateboarding community because it really wasn't that big of a deal for a while. These guys have got the due tour and a lot of other opportunities. And the Olympics wasn't the carrot that you might think it was, although now that's starting to change. And then Mario's another tip for parents of kids who are pursuing a passion, whether it's skateboarding or anything else. He has this one very simple tip that he says is why he is so successful. It is so basic and yet so critical to his success. I think you're going to love this one. This guy is so interesting. Mario McCoy is my guest this week on Dying to Ask. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Mario, thanks for joining us on the Dying to Ask podcast. Thank you for having me. So where are you today? Right now, I'm at home in Los Angeles. Uh, my new home, I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania, but this is what I call home now. Now, are you, is that Reading, Pennsylvania, like the Monopoly connection? It is, and it's funny you picked up on that because not a lot of people do. Well, I've been playing a lot of Monopoly because I've got a 12-year-old who's obsessed with it. And <laughs> like he plays those games that go on for like four hours and sometimes two days. You're like, oh my gosh, please, for the love of God, make this thing end. But yeah. I always end up I always end up on Reading. So it's funny when I read that you were from there, I'm like, I wonder if that's the same thing. Yeah. It's the infamous Reading Railroad. That's where I'm from. Yeah, I never I never seem to make any money off of it, but you know, <laughs> that's hey. how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So what brought you out to California? How'd you end up there? Um, I came out here just to, to pursue skating. Like skateboarding is really big here. A lot of the industry, most most of the industry is here. And uh, 
you're just able to do it year round. The weather is perfect as everyone knows in California. Like I can skate 12 months out of the year rather than, I mean, in Pennsylvania, I might've been able to skate like six because uh-huh. of winter, you know, so here it's, I could just get more done. And so when the Olympics announced, when Tokyo announced that um, there was going to be skateboarding as one of the five new sports for 2020, was you weren't a pro back then, right? You were still amateur. So was that even on your radar when it first was announced? No, it, it, I think when it was, when I had heard of the Olympics involving skating, it was like 2019, which I know is like super late, but like I wasn't really focused on that or really that wasn't a reality because in 2019, I was still amateur. And then the beginning of 2020, I turned pro. And I mean, even in 2019, I was skating pro contests, but I was still like focused on getting my name on a skateboard. That was like the only thing I cared about. So once I had like heard of it and like done well at a pro contest and got involved then it was just like a surreal experience because it it really was like I was starting to realize like how the point system work and how many people are involved in it and it just is like a whole different side of skating that like is I think it's new to everyone but to me I was like oh this is like a this is huge this is a big deal so that's interesting because I bet then in a weird way the year delay kind of worked in your favor in terms of actually making an Olympic team it did in a way like I was on the Olympic team going into 2020 and that team carried over to this year because there were no contests they weren't able to have any contests um but the what it did for me and other skaters was it kind of cleared the schedule because there was a good like six or seven contests in the beginning of 2020 like basically this time frame last year there was like six or seven contests within three months And these are like international contests. It's not like you're going from state to state. You're going from like one in China, one in Japan, one in Peru. And they were like everywhere. So for us, it like calmed the schedule down a lot. And I think it helped World Skate, who controls all this, to kind of like refine the schedule a bit and make it a little more like we can just focus on these new, these two next upcoming uh, contests rather than eight in a short amount of time. So did the year change the way you skate nah. or just how you felt at all? I mean, cause it, cause unlike some sports, you could still go out and just skate. You don't yeah. need a whole lot to go do what you do. Right. Yeah. See, like it's, it's still, it's mind blowing that skating is in the Olympics because <laughs> like all the traditional rules of other sports where people like wake up and they train for the Olympics, they, that is like their world stage. Like for us, like our world stage is every day. Like we just are skating. Like, not a lot of people are like, I'm going training to get in the Olympics to do like, we're just still skating it like, and when the pandemic hit, we were still skating and like after the pandemic, we're still skating. So it's kind of cool. We were just able to like do our thing and really like, I, I feel like in contests for these, like these caliber of contests, anyone in the contest can win. Everyone's super good. It's just like, who has the best day? Like who is the yeah. most comfortable and confident on their skateboard? So yeah, it's like really undisciplined and I mean no disrespect to skating by that but like it's just super it's such like a free like a freedom kind of sport activity I don't even know if you can call it a sport but yeah for us it didn't change anything I I would imagine a lot of other Olympic athletes though would be kind of jealous of that because their lives are so regimented to the I mean you've probably met some athletes now from other sports Mm -hmm. Um, in fact your brother's a volleyball player I know 
Um, they, they, they live and die by the schedule and everything is like from, like from what they eat to what they live, to where they go, to what time they get up to when they nap. I mean, like, it's all so darn planned out. It is. Yeah. And that's, that's starting to come into skating. Maybe not so much the discipline on like a schedule, but like nutrition is starting to become a thing going to the gym and kind of like doing maintenance, like just like physical therapy kind of like that's becoming a thing because the old generation did not care about that at all they were just like when they were pros like in the early 2000s they were like rock stars like they there was no discipline they were like they were just superheroes everyone so like they just did what they did they put in a ton of work they would be broken in half half the time because they just like there was no discipline but we're starting to kind of come around and see like okay look skateboarding requires a lot of athleticism so we have to kind of treat our bodies that same way because otherwise our careers will be really short like we just yeah. won't get last it's such high impact sport that like we, we got to take care of ourselves one way or another. you remind me a lot of conversations i had like 12 years ago with snowboarders mm-hmm. because there was like none of that that like people just went out and they boarded and that was it and similar and it worked course. similar yeah, very courses. similar yeah, yeah. But now, now they're like all about sports psychologists and, you know, the nutrition and all the rest of it, because, because it is like what you were saying about that concept of um, expanding a career as long as you can. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, just like with every year, any sort of industry, it's always going to progress. Like the bottom line and the complete ceiling of a sport is always going to be moving up and up with, with time going, you know what I mean? So like, everyone of course is going to think how can i stay within those two lines or to the top like you know what i mean so now i feel like skating is kind of caught on like we could actually do more with ourselves and like have a longer career if we just like think about what we eat or if we just like maybe go to the gym like once a week (laughs) even if we did like banded exercises like just something simple (laughs) like so we're starting to catch on we're are that stubborn nature we still have it we're still very stubborn but we're starting to finally like all right. There's some benefits to doing like normal people things. As well. <laughs> Sounds very adult. <laughs> very, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you have two different types of disciplines that'll be in the Tokyo games. You've got street mm-hmm. and then you've got park. So explain the difference between the two. So street skating is just like when you like, it's like stairs and rails and like, things you would grind on like ledges whatever benches i'm trying to think of how to say it it's like it's like see it skate it it's the stuff we see in a mountain dew commercial basically yeah yeah pretty much but park is like what they would call bowls it's just like it's a pool but they just make them a lot bigger and like it's not like the it's not like half pipes and stuff like you used to see in like the x games that's that's still a part of skating but they're not involving that in the olympics it's just like big pools which to me is terrifying because like it's just a whole different side of skating that I'm not very well versed in, but, uh, but yeah. So I think with pool skating, it's a lot more like surfing. It's a little more like, I feel like you're just, they're built a lot looser than street skaters. Street skaters are like very precise. And like we flip onto a rail, like we'll flip our board onto a rail for a grind that requires a lot of precision and like a lot of like, I guess discipline in that way, but for a, like a pool skater, it's just, it's all flow and they require precision as well, but it's a lot more flow to their skating than it is to ours. So with street, are you like, every time you go out, are you like looking at something and going, I could skate that? (laughs) Is that like a nonsense? I mean, it sounds like a curse kind of. 
anyone no it's it's actually nice because it it makes you like appreciate architecture a lot more and i i think it like i could probably have a very long conversation with an architect who would look at the world in a very similar like like have a similar outlook of like really looking at the way things are shaped or like layouts of things like that typical people wouldn't really they would just pass by and not care like to them it's a set of stairs you just walk up and down it's whatever but for us we have different uses so yeah totally even if i'm not even if like i say like i don't skate transition skating like i'll still look at that like oh that'd be pretty fun to skate or like this would be pretty fun to skate or just anything i don't even have to have my skateboard like i'm just always constantly thinking that and it's it's cool because sometimes i come up on something that i it like it's actually good and no one has skated it and that's like that's like a hidden gem in our in our industry like if you got your own spots and no one knows that's like you don't tell anybody <laughs> you keep that one a secret huh until you skate it and then once you skate it and put your mark on it then anyone else can skate it but you got to put your mark on it first it's like a territory thing is putting your mark on it does that mean getting it on video and getting it out there yes so we would like it's funny like we always say like when you see a new spot you're like oh anything's open meaning like there's been no tricks done on it there's been nothing it's just a completely new spot and typically like in street skateboarding this is where like the discipline actually does come in like if someone had done a trick on that spot you don't repeat the trick because we'll kind of view that as like disrespectful in a way where we're like like i did that trick like what are you trying to do like do it better than me in a way like the only way you can respectfully skate a spot is if you do a different trick or even if you do a better trick it doesn't matter it's still like you're adding to the history of the spot so we'll like always look at somebody like oh everything's open so that means like you can do any trick on this and it's cool because no one's ever seen this spot but there's other spots that we'll call blown out which just means like a long list of tricks have been done there and all these like high level pros have skated so if you go there you got to come with something you can't just do something little you got to do I something love it. incredible i love i love the whole culture in within the sport yeah it's it's crazy it's like a whole little like secret society it's funny we have like our own the way we look at stuff the way we talk about stuff it's like our own thing do you think that um, the way it really is, like what you're describing is against maybe what the general public thinks it's really like? Totally. Is there, a, I, is there still a stereotype that goes with it, even though it's now been named an Olympic sport? Absolutely. I think people, I mean, with anything, like if you're not in it, you're not gonna fully understand it. But I think it's always gotten this like bad reputation of just like rebellious culture only to give people a hard time. Like, and they don't really appreciate it for like, the positive things where like a traditional sport would give, you know, for the kid's life, like skateboarding has kept me out of trouble. It's kept a lot of people out of trouble because it's given us something to focus on that's positive. And yeah, I guess people get a little upset because they see it as like vandalism or property damage when it's the complete opposite of that. Like the way we're looking at skating is like, we're appreciating the world we're in. We're appreciating what's right in front of us in to us, it's like, we're actually appreciating life more than the typical person because we're like looking at an inanimate object in awe when someone else is just passing it by in the same like rat race. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're actually yeah. like really enjoying ourselves looking at a bench, which you would probably think makes someone crazy, but we're looking at a bench like, this is amazing. I want to skate this. And we have the time of our life every day, every day you're I on your skateboard. It. It's Saturday, like every day is a Saturday to us. The only way I could get my 12 year old to go for a walk with me during the pandemic when I needed to take the dog out or whatever was he came on a skateboard 
And it became kind of like a parenting hack because I could get anything out of him while he was on that board because he was just in this like flow and we'd go for miles. And it was so funny. There was just something like methodical about the sound of the wheels and bouncing over stuff. And, you know, he was finding his own little things to jump off of, you know, even around the block that it was, it became this like really awesome thing to watch. What is it about being on a board that for kids or for pros is just so fun? I mean, you can just make anything out of nothing. That's the that's the best part. Like, you can't throw a football out of yourself. I mean, you can, but it wouldn't be that fun. You know, and a lot of <laughs> no. sports you can't do by yourself. I can go grab my skateboard. I can go outside and I can just find anything to skate. Even if it's something stupid, I could find it to skate and I can just have a good time. I don't have to like, you don't really need anybody to make it fun. It is a lot more fun when you do have others, but like you can just go outside and just create anything. It's like the whole world is your canvas and you're, you just, you're alive. That's the, that's the best part of skating. You can be who you want to be, do whatever you want to do and just enjoy your life. Yeah. I'm a total um, gear geek. So I'm curious to know about like what you travel with and how long does the board last and what are the different parts that you got to bring along? I mean, cause you've got like an interesting sport in that some sports, like I'm thinking of like a javelin thrower, like watching those guys travel through an airport is super comical. I yeah. mean, you're just like getting off a plane with a board on your arm. I'm guessing. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I've been checking my board a lot lately because it, it is some people just don't understand skateboarding. And like when I've had to put it in the overhead bin, like, People don't understand that you can put a bag on top of a skateboard because that's probably the least amount of like abuse that thing is going to get for what I'm about to do to it. Then they, <laughs> they get like, they just don't understand. And it's really funny because people will get like really heated. Like they're just like, I can't put my bag in here because there's a skateboard in here. And like, they'll be talking trash and I'm sitting right there. I'm just like, all right, like, now I know how you feel. Like, it seems like you're the one who's impatient. I, I don't know. But for us, yeah, like it's, we don't really travel with like, that much stuff other than like our skateboards like because i mean what we wear is like what we wear on a daily basis anyway mm-hmm. so like it's pretty much just like packing for a normal trip like i mean unless you wear like pads and stuff which we don't like like street skaters don't really wear pads uh so the only gear we have is like our board our trucks are like the metal things that turn um wheels self-explanatory the bearings make them roll and then just like the little hardware that like puts everything together but like that's Honestly, it's like eight pounds, nine pounds of extra stuff at most. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nothing. It's really not how, anything. How long does a board last? Because, you know, like skiers would travel with three or four sets of skis, depending on what they're doing. A cyclist might have a backup bike. What about you guys? Like, how long does a board last? Uh, I mean, it, it really depends from person to person. And it depends, like, what kind of board you have. Because there's, like, I mean, skateboards are pretty standard. It's, like... Uh, just like a maple skateboard with seven plies like that. there's not many variations you can get out of that because we don't really get in all types of crazy tech but like for some people if you're street skating i mean for me like i'll speak for myself if i'm street skating i can go through a board a day like easy and that's just the piece of wood for those who don't know like we will change that out a lot everything else like the trucks could be like six months to a year it could be for a while wheels could be like three or four months or a year. It really is just preference, but like the boards will go like, it could be a day, it could be a week, a month. If you don't skate like that much, it's really, yeah, it's just like from person to person. But for me, the like, board, but the board is like super personal to you though. Like the way you ride it. Right. Yeah. Because there's different shapes and sizes. So like they go, 
anywhere from like, I mean, they, they make like really small ones for like little kids, but like typically you'll go from something like it's seven and a half inches wide. Cause that's what we mostly focus on is how wide it is. Um, seven and a half inches all the way up to like 10 inches, which a 10 inch skateboard is massive. Like I would never like I, maybe for fun, I would get on it. That's probably about like the size of like the old school fish shape boards. But like for me, I skate eight and a quarter inches wide skateboard and then it kind of goes into like the shape of the skateboard. Like I make my own shape that I like skating and then like my brand manufactures it. And then people who like the shape buy it. And there's all like these little like intricacies of like the skateboard, but the most personal thing are the trucks because it's the way the board turns. So like the little, they call them, they're called bushings, but they're like these little rubber cushion kind of things. And the way you break those in is like, that'll either make your day good or really bad. So like if they're broken <laughs> incorrectly, it's your board. It's like, then that becomes your skateboard. But if they're like, like I said, if there's someone else's skateboard and you step on that, that thing is like, you don't even want it. You're just like, ah. <laughs> it's, like, like it's not my skateboard. It's that personal, huh? It's really that personal. It is. So Olympics, I mean, are you super excited about this now? I mean, now that you're, it's actually looking like it's going to happen and it's super close and it's totally on the calendar at this point. Like, how do you feel about that? I'm definitely excited about it, but there are still qualifying contests. So I, I don't, I don't like to like shoot for something that's not here yet. So I'm just excited for the next contest I have. I'll take care of it. Like once I get over that hill, then I'll be worried about the next contest. And then I get over that hill. If I make it to the Olympics, then I'll be excited about the Olympics. But I just go at everything like one step at a time because these contests are extremely difficult and there are a lot of good skateboarders. So if you don't go into it focused and you're, you're shooting for down the road and you're going to trip on something that's right in front of you. So I just yeah. make sure I handle what's there. I'm excited to possibly be there, but I'm not like, I'm. that's a far goal. Like right now I got to worry about the next contest. Are you superstitious? Are skateboarders by general in, in general? Typically, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like a lot of people, like even the way they set their skateboard up, like there's a lot of different things, like like the way you would like put grip tape on your board. Some people like to do a certain pattern. It has to be a certain way. Some people just like just a plain sheet of grip tape on top. Some people like the bolts, like one bolt is a different color, like and it has to be in the same specific spot every time. Like there's just a ton of different things. Some people like knock on their boards, like before they do a trick, like they'll knock twice or something. I, I'm not like that, but I know a lot of people who are. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where the superstition comes from. I don't know why we like, but it's pretty common. Like more often than not, someone has some sort of superstition with skating. Yeah, I think it comes from winning because it works <laughs> for Maybe. a lot of people. But even, you know? even just like any, like an average skater, like just who does it for fun, like they have their own superstition too. There's just like a way we're like, super stubborn and very specific about a lot of things in life and like skating is like that thing that we are so like you have to be so specific about it and i, I think it's just because yeah. you could get so hurt so like we're trying to keep that idea out of our mind so anything we could focus on that's going to get us away from that we'll focus on that let me ask you one last thing what what is the number one thing you tell young skaters or even the parents of young skaters about going after and pursuing a dream because you went from your brother when you were four giving you a skateboard and telling you to skate because that's what he liked to do to being a professional skater to possibly going to the olympics this summer and earning a living doing it 
So like, what is the thing you would tell them about kind of going after something that maybe some people still see as kind of like an alternative kind of thing mm -hmm. that obviously is a legit career for a lot of people? Right. Um, I would just tell the younger kids, just like, just take your time, enjoy your time with your friends as a kid. Like, don't rush too, too much. It's like, don't, don't try to grow up too fast kind of thing, you know? Like I'm here and it's amazing to be a professional skater. It is also a lot of work. It is a lot more work than I thought. And there does, like there is a bit of discipline that does come with it because it is a job. One way or another, it is a job. So a lot of the things that I didn't focus on, like when I was a kid, I focused on all the glory of being a professional skater, but I didn't think so much about all the hard work that comes with it. And it's great hard work and I love doing it, but I would just tell the kids, enjoy your time on a skateboard and like explore what you like and like make friends doing it and travel and just enjoy your time because at one point you won't be able to do it as much. So if you're enjoying your time and not focusing on like this big goal to get paid and do this, like you'll have a good time and that will come like the talent will always show through and like good things will happen to good people, but just focus on having a good time first, because that is Love that. purely what this is about. There is the only thing you can win in this is to have a smile on your face. So that's what you should be shooting for. What are good ways for people to keep up with you in the next few months? Um, Instagram, that's like my main thing. You could follow me at Markoy, M-A-U-R-C-O-Y on Instagram. And yeah, that's where I'll be. So confession, I don't think I had ever interviewed a professional skateboarder before that I can remember anyway. Mario, I think is the first. So that was super fascinating to me because I had no idea about the culture within the skateboarding community. I found that totally fascinating. And it's really different to the community of other sports that I have covered at the Olympics. And it does kind of explain why there is such a great synergy regardless of the age of athletes because Mario's 25. But there are athletes as young as 13 who are going to be competing in Tokyo, and yet they all seem to get along and there's this interesting respect between them. It was totally fascinating to me. So some good life lessons that we can apply as we try to figure out how to pursue our passions. Great advice at the end too about for parents about just enjoying something and enjoying the ride. That was really, really interesting to me. And his brother's a professional volleyball player, so different passions, but they definitely got to the tops of their sports just by enjoying it. Who would have thought? Okay, if you could, screenshot this episode and share it on your favorite social media platform to help us grow the show. Instagram Stories is an easy place to pass along a podcast recommendation. And if you have a minute and you can leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast app that you're listening to us right now, that would be awesome. You can DM me on Instagram. You'll find me at runreadsip. And if there are some athletes or some sports you would like me to cover in our Olympic podcast series, let me know. I have pre-recorded a lot of episodes, but I can always add in some extra ones. And if you have specific, spe <laughs> specific questions for some of those athletes, make sure you tell me and I'll try to ask some of those for you as well. Thank you for listening this week and we'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.